there, hi there, ho there, and welcome to the newest episode of Welcome to the New You, Gainesville's number one podcast in the mind of Larry Green and of all reasonably minded people. We're glad that you're here. We are with the Gainesville Community Counseling Center. You can find us online at www.gainesvillecounselingcenter.com or you can call us at 352-448-9120. We offer individual, group, family, and couples therapy for any and all issues that you can bring with us. And we're happy to help you anytime that you need help. So again, that's GainesvilleCounselingCenter.com or 352-448-9120. So the podcast is something that we do to provide information to the local community about resources that are available, uh, topics related to mental health, different modalities. We talk about sex. That's my favorite topic. And we'll talk about a little bit about sex today, but not a whole lot. Um, and today we're going to talk about eating disorders or disordered eating, which is better, which should I say? Either one. Either one? Yeah. I always get confused, right? Because sometimes I call it domestic violence and it should be intimate mm -hmm. partner violence. And then, so either one is fine. Mm -hmm. There's okay. no right or wrong. Um, I think that disordered eating can often lead into, you know, a diagnosable eating disorder, but right. I don't do much in terms of, uh, diagnosis and you know labeling and categorizing um, unless it's going to help guide treatment so disordered eating oh. eating disorders we are all good do you want to come on staff here <laughs> anyway so we're going to talk about that today yeah. <laughs> uh, and the history behind it and, and some of the causes and symptoms and outcomes that are potentially available um, but as we always do we always focus on mindfulness and so we like to start off our group time here uh, about talking about mindfulness because I think it's one of the most effective ways of addressing a lot of issues that we face. So um, I'm going to introduce very briefly Morgan, who's going to introduce herself in a little while, but I'm going to throw the curveball to you and ask you, what sort of mindfulness techniques do you have centered around eating? Mm -hmm. I love this question because so many people, when they think about their relationship with food and how they talk to themselves around the eating experience, it can feel really judgy and critical and harsh. And I know they wouldn't speak that way to their friends mm -hmm. or family. Um, so one of the concepts from intuitive eating, actually, which we'll talk about a little later, it's called the food anthropologist. Ooh. And it's just a very neutral observer of the eating experience. So rather than the common dialogue that people who struggle with disordered eating might experience mm -hmm. or people in diet culture not really knowing they're struggling might sound like, oh, I shouldn't have eaten that. I'm going to have to work this off tomorrow. Um, you know, I'm a failure. I couldn't stick to my diet. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, that's going to be very unhelpful for you. One of the helpful things that you can do as a food anthropologist is to um, kind of sit with yourself and label it as if you're watching, like naturally observing it. Mm -hmm. um, and you can still label those feelings of guilt. Um, you can label kind of what you're eating, how you're eating it. That might sound something like, huh, I'm noticing that I'm not very hungry. I'm grabbing the bag of chips. Um, I'm noticing that there's a fear that I may you know, indulge in these chips. Right. Uh, I often don't feel good after I do that. And so really talking to yourself in a supportive way rather than a judgmental way. Right. So being able to just be present in the moment and experience the, the, the total emotional and experience, mm -hmm. uh, experiential part of eating. Yeah. Right? And, um, and so if folks are able to do that, what are some of the benefits for them? Mm-hmm. So I think it, it takes away a lot of the criticism that 
many of us face uh, when it comes to diet culture. Mm -hmm. Um, And it helps us become more in tune with our body. So really thinking about the cognitive dissonance that must be there if we're overly full and feeling ill Mm -hmm. and we're continuing to eat the cookies, um, that doesn't mean that we're bad or that we need to feel shame or guilt because of that. There must be a reason why we're continuing to do that behavior. So it can really help us raise awareness and um, look for things like paying attention to our body, satisfaction with the eating experience, and overall just more pleasure uh, when when you're enjoying something. I love me some double stuffed Oreos. I can't. Yes. I saw the... uh, they're like the cake Oreos the other day. Cake um, Oreos? What? Yeah. They're like, I don't know, because I'm not a huge fan. You know, my satisfaction with like crunchy desserts, mm-hmm. I much prefer a, a very soft dessert. And so I think they're called like cake toppers or something, but two pieces of chocolate cake with some filling in between. Hmm. Put that <laughs> down on our list of gets for tonight. <laughs> so I'm not allowed to have a lot of desserts mm-hmm. um, for a variety of reasons. Uh, mostly because I'll, my favorite dessert is ice cream. And at one point I was on some sleep meds and um, one of the side effects was sleep eating. Mm-hmm. And I would eat an entire thing of ice cream every night. And I would wake up in the morning and there'd be all these bowls. And so my wife said, well, we're just not having ice cream anymore. Mm-hmm. And that seems like a reasonable solution. So just keep it out of the house. No. Um, because <laughs> then I went into sleep driving. Oh, no. And, we, uh, and I was an expert at it. And so I would drive across town to Sonic, and then I would get my sweets there, and then I would drive home and not remember doing any of it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's a total aside. Yeah. Anyway, um, we're here with Morgan Ransom, and Morgan is uh, very kind to share some of her time with us this, this morning or afternoon, whatever time it is. Um, and so tell us a little bit about, about you and your practice and, and how, how you got here. Yeah. Um, so I have always wanted to be a therapist. Like there's a video of me in kindergarten saying that I wanted to be a psychiatrist. Didn't know the difference between psychology, (laughs) psychiatry, but I think it's a cute video. Uh Nonetheless. Can we um, see it? Post it on the web. I, yeah, absolutely. I'll try to find it. It should be somewhere in the, in the archives. (laughs) We could do that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's this recording of me saying that I wanted to do that. And basically, I just wanted to be able to support people. Um, Did not know what I wanted to specialize in at that point, um, but did experience my own challenge with disordered eating Mm -hmm. starting in eighth grade. And I got amazing help for it right off the bat. I had a very supportive family to help me through that. And from that moment on, um, I really got into kind of understanding, you know, what are eating disorders? How did this happen, not only for me, but other people. Um, And then went to school to be a counselor and specialized in eating disorder treatment at the time. And then kind of took a turn into intuitive eating, um, which is Oh my gosh, it's incredible. It's life-changing both uh-huh. personally and professionally. Um, we'll talk about that, I'm sure, a lot of a lot today, yeah, just yeah, when yeah. it comes to food and the holidays. Um, but really, really enjoy working with uh, mainly young adults who are struggling in their relationship with food. So sure. even if you don't feel you have a um, an eating disorder or, you know, you're not necessarily needing medical support for it. Um, I still want people to feel really comfortable in their relationship with food. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
So you, you have a practice locally? I do, yeah. So it's all telehealth, so I can see anyone in the state of Florida. That's the beauty of whoop, whoop. being able to, uh, you know, not have to necessarily pay for an office space, but but have access to a lot of different clients needing mm-hmm. support. Um, so my website is findyourfreedomtherapy.com. Um, I like that as I was trying to come up with a name for the business because I really want to help people find their right. freedom. There's a lot of rigidity generally around relationship with food and body and criticism of self and to just kind of open that door to something that maybe you didn't know was possible is really important. Um, So in your experience, like uh, how prevalent are body image issues and and disordered eating? Mm -hmm. It seems to be everywhere. Um, it really does. It's, it's growing. I think that the ideals for women, especially, although Mm -hmm. eating disorders don't discriminate based on, you know, gender, sexual orientation, race. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's a challenge. I, I think just living in this world, um, especially as a young female growing up and trying to attain the quote unquote ideal body. Yeah. And where does that even come Uh, from? A a combination of many things. Um, So one, I think, is just diet culture in general. Mm. So diet culture, a quote that I heard a while ago, and you've probably heard it in your work too, um, but it talks about like fish are swimming around in the water and then someone comes and says, how's the water? And the fish says, say like, what's water? Um, And you don't understand because you're just living in it. And so you can't really see the outside until you experience and experience something other than water. Right. Um, so I love that phrase when it comes to diet culture, because a lot of people are very unaware that they're living in it. Um, but really, it's just the idea that um, we're going to be more accepted, we're going to be happier if we are in this ideal body. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes people are going to extremes to try to attain this, which actually gets in the way of health and wellness and mental well-being. Sure. Um, so it's it's everywhere. And I think, you know, social media obviously plays a part in it as well. Um, and, you know, just focus on appearance and, you know, wanting to be well liked and seen as worthy in the world. Uh, there are lots of judgments that come along with people who are in bodies that don't fit that ideal. Right, right. I was reading a story uh, or watching something on, on TV um, and the struggles of uh, this particular female was a dancer, ballet dancer, right? And when you think of a ballet dancer, there's a very specific specific physique right very Mm -hmm. thin very very mobile and she had applied to get into uh, Juilliard or some some fancy school like that did not even get to dance because of her body and it turns out that she was an absolutely brilliant dancer and had a lot of skill but the judgment that came from it and she was you know kind of talking about that struggle of growing up heavier or bigger in a bigger mm-hmm. body than, than people looked at the challenges of as she said walking in as a chubby little girl mm-hmm. into a group of skinny little girls and their judgmental parents along with it so mm-hmm. um you know the the there are some challenges that do exist with body image and part of it is kind of the social pressure that that we feel and the images that we see in newspapers, on magazines, internet, mm-hmm. uh, the models that are coming out. And so I'm glad to see there, there being a, more of a push towards realistic models and mm-hmm. plus models. Uh, so get away from the body shaming. But it does lead to this diet culture. And, and I can't say I'm exempt from 
that uh, at all. Um, None of us are. We're, <laughs> we're living in it. And, yeah. you know, if we have a diet culture-y thought, um, you know, we're not the ones who put that there, but it's more of kind of what we do with that. Yeah. So what are some of the diet fads that you're seeing out there right now? Oh my gosh. Intermittent fasting is a really big one. Uh-huh. Um, Pops up on my Facebook feed like 10 times a day. Yep. Yeah. And I think one of the main reasons that can be very harmful is because you're really not listening to your body's cues at that point. Right. So you're fighting off hunger. Um, you generally might be eating the same amount in terms of you know, those hours of the day when you're allowed to eat food. But as soon as you tell someone they can't have something at a certain time, they're going to want it even more. Right. So really any diet that's restrictive, um, cutting out a food group is going to be damaging because mm-hmm. then you're thinking about that item. Right. And, you know, the night before the diet starts, you're probably eating all of that item without really paying attention to your body because you know you're not going to have it again. Right. Yeah. So th- there's there's that one. There's the keto. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what these are, but the Adkins. The, you know, they're all be, you know have been popular mm-hmm. over time, um, but I don't know that really they're as effective as as maybe intuitive eating. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So I think it depends on the goal too. So the diet industry. I had to look it up today for 2022. I think it was 3.8 billion dollars spent oh. in the weight loss industry. Holy cow! Um, and diet weight loss kind of compatible in terms of that. Right. Um, and it's often disguised kind of in the name of health of like, oh, we just want you to be healthy. But when I read magazines and they say, you know, lose 100 pounds by Thanksgiving, and we're already in September, that doesn't appear to be uh, a health affirming behavior really (laughs) i like that article (laughs) that ad (laughs) well i think you know it's not realistic yeah it's not realistic for a lot of people and um yeah but oftentimes you'll see you know really thin white women on the covers oftentimes celebrities and it's like you know how to how to lose five pounds this week and it's Mm -hmm. like oh like i would be really concerned and might want to put someone in the hospital if if they really were that malnourished that week right um so your original question, though, I, I so the, the the difference between you know these fad diets and mm-hmm. intuitive eating, yes, and the effectiveness. So mm-hmm. talk to us a little bit about the intuitive eating and what that is. Yeah, yeah. So these diets that you know were developed were really a means for people to lose weight, um, and I think again health kind of disguised in that of oh you're going to be healthier you're going to be happier Um, intuitive eating says you know screw this we're sick of diet culture mentality amen yes we are sick of um, people being judged based on the size of their body judgments being made about their health based on you know how they look and so intuitive eating is all about first and foremost just rejecting the diet mentality Mm -hmm. so what we know about diets is you know all those ones you were talking about keto, Atkins, um, intermittent fasting. Research has been done on those. And we are in an insane community if we believe that dieting works. Um, I think the stat is two to five percent of people who go on diets maintain their weight loss after a year. And so that means that diets, yeah, it's so depressing, right? So if you go on a diet, you know, 
yeah, you might initially lose some weight, you're feeling maybe good, you're getting some compliments from people. But then what happens when your body actually says like, hey, feed me, like we're wanting this, we're needing this. Mm -hmm. Um, That can become really problematic because, you know, you're kind of stuck in this mindset of, oh, if I go off the diet, then am I a failure? Um, So I really like the expression, like we don't fail diets, diets fail us. Yes. Um, You know, 95 to 98% of the time. It's almost like it's set up for failure. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's why it's so important with intuitive eating to really get out of the mindset of dieting. And it's all about permission, unconditional mm-hmm. permission to listen to your body, to eat what you want, um, to pay attention to satisfaction because our bodies are way smarter than us. Mm-hmm. Diets try to outsmart the body to fight off hunger cues. Right. Um, but we know that in the long term, that's not going to work for us. Right. So with intuitive eating, what are some things that that you would work with clients on mm-hmm. as you as you teach them this new skill? Yeah. So, I mean, it depends on the person. It always does. But uh, there are 10 principles to intuitive eating. And the first, like I've mentioned, is really rejecting the diet mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, people will often say like, oh, I want to start intuitive eating, but I need to lose weight first. <laughs> or, oh, I'd really like to start moving, but you know, in order to go to a gym, I need to lose weight before I do right, that. Right. Um, and I don't want to discount any of you know societal judgments against people and bodies that don't fit the ideal. And at the same time, a lot of people are waiting to start their lives until their bodies change. Right. So it's kind of how do we allow permission to accept the body for where it is. Um, And people don't like that phrasing. They say, well, if I'm accepting it, then I'm complacent, then I'm just content. It's not going to change. You know, I got to be hard on myself. I got to follow this diet. Um, When really that's just hurting them and keeping them stuck. So accepting where they are, um, accepting that they want to work on relationship with food and what they're doing isn't working. Mm -hmm. And then we can really pay attention to like getting in the body, um, getting into the thoughts of, you know, where did these restrictive thoughts come from or these all or nothing thoughts around food develop. Um, Sometimes that will go back to family, you know, Mm -hmm. parents being on diets. Um, Sometimes that can just go from, you know, going down a rabbit hole with social media. Um, It it really depends. Yeah, yeah. So it's about, I guess it's more like mindful, mindfulness in the midst of Mm -hmm. of eating and being aware of how, how kind of your emotions at times are guiding and and Mm -hmm. judging yourself about what you're doing and right. the focus isn't necessarily on weight loss it's Mm-mm. on it's on just healthy eating in general yeah like a healthy relationship with food um so permission awareness um one of the principles which is the third principle is making peace with all foods and this can be some of the hardest for people um, i'm to gonna fight you right there with. there will be vegetables <laughs> i am never going to be at peace with that's totally okay okay thank you don't you. have to be right so you're allowed to have your preferences brussels sprouts um yeah Who no and those? you don't have eh, i do like a good brussels oh, sprout occasionally right. but not the mushy ones like you got to get a nice restaurant crispy balsamic Brussels sprout, maybe with some goat cheese on it. How about a lot of bacon <laughs> wrapped around it? Yeah, that sounds work? good too. Okay, we can, can do, do that. that. That's right. great. <clears throat> Meeting a lot of the body's needs. I'm not a nutritionist, but it mm-hmm. seems like you got your fat, your protein, your carb. See, I love you because <laughs> you just reframe it into such a nice way, but I'll still never eat Brussels sprouts. Mm-hmm. I'll eat the yeah. bacon on the Brussels sprouts. But That's fine. Yeah, hopefully you have someone in your life who can then eat the Brussels sprout. or My wife. Yeah, yeah. great. 
Perfect. So anyway, sorry, yes. interrupted you. No, you're so good. Make so peace with making peace with food. So a lot of this is we a lot many of us grow up thinking certain foods are good, bad, healthy, unhealthy, and we categorize it like right. that. People will say, Oh, I just need to stop eating junk food. Eating eating quote unquote junk food, I don't really call it that. I call it maybe fun foods. Um, again, a reframe that yes. sounds a little bit gentler. Um, but eating those foods like brings us pleasure and we're allowed to enjoy eating. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, there's something in the body that's probably drawing us to those types of foods. Right, right. Um, so, for instance, there's something you'll love. This it's called sex with your pants on. Oh, and this is a concept Don't. in. <laughs> I want a picture of that. <laughs> yep. Well, it's with food, so it's a little bit different. Um, I haven't come across any graphic photos of this. but I'll find it. Um, so sex with your pants on is this concept that uh, when people are on a diet, they try to create these like pseudo replacements for foods that they love. Mm-hmm. And they might be okay, but they're not as good as the real thing. Right. right. So you get the point. So an example of this could be like paleo pancakes, right? Or people making pancakes now with like banana instead of flour right or chickpea cookie dough or black bean brownies and it's like we're trying to put you know these nutrients into things where they don't really belong um and then we're ultimately not really satisfied because it's not the real thing right yeah so we'd we'd be better off just kind of having the real thing and then moving forward um with what we're doing um so with with dieting i love this model yes yeah why do you love it because it allows me to eat some things that are on my naughty list. Yes. Hmm. I'm going to share this podcast with my wife. Perfect. Yeah. She no, can. she's welcome to, to come in and hear some of this. But yeah, it seems like you have some forbidden foods of like, oh, I shouldn't be eating this. Uh, this is bad for me. Ice cream, cookie dough. There's lots of them. Mm-hmm. Those are some of my favorite foods. They're absolutely <sighs> delicious. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And and so a lot of people, you know, if you're on a diet and you're craving something sweet, um, kind of the typical reaction is, okay, I'll have an apple. Okay, I'll have, you know, a rice cake with honey on it or something. Mm-hmm. Like they're trying to just make something that is that's not a brownie, right? right? You just want the brownie, it's it. the real brownie, not the black bean brownie, not um, the not the sugar free ice cream. No. I want the real ice cream. Yes. <sighs> Yes. And so the challenge is, so if you have all these kind of like replacements, um, I think they're called phantom foods in intuitive eating. Mm -hmm. If you try to fill it with phantom foods, you're not actually getting the real thing. And at the end of the day, your body could have been needing the fat that was in the brownie, Mm. not necessarily the sugar. We automatically think sugar when we're craving something sweet, but a brownie has significant you know, fat in it. And if we're deprived from fat throughout our day, we're going to want that and need that. Right. So I think it's just like, whoa, the body is super cool. (laughs) I love this. So your body, and we use this a lot with trauma, Mm -hmm. right? Like your body talks to you and tells you. Yeah. And so in, in intuitive eating, you're saying it's do the same thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And part of that can be a physical need. Part of it could be an emotional need. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to meet that need. Mm Mm-hmm. Is there ever a point at which you're over meeting that need? So, so yes, right? So I think like sometimes we use food to cope. Um, and like if we never allowed ourselves permission to use food to cope with something, that would be problematic. Mm-hmm. That would be far too rigid. Um, and sometimes we need a coping strategy. And so if we're aware that that's what we're doing, 
then then that's great. I think that's the first step. So right. a difference that I see often is, um, you know, I've had clients who work in restaurants, let's say, and they used to go to work and they would, you know, eat whatever the free food was and, sure. you know, enjoy that. And then one day they said, okay, I'm, you know, one day maybe I'm not as hungry. Um, I don't really want that. Maybe I want this instead. And then another day they said, Morgan, it felt so good because I decided this all looks so good. I'm starving. I will likely overeat. And that awareness of, oh, okay, I might eat past my fullness today. Mm -hmm. And I'm just accepting that. I'm not saying that, you know, I can never do this, that this is forbidden. I'm not going to shame myself for it. I'm just going to be aware of it. Mm -hmm. You know, we all have our, our vices sometimes. And, you know, occasionally using that, uh, you know, is not it's the okay. end of the world. Let's just right. be gentle with ourselves and try to figure out, um, Oftentimes it'll be, I talked to my mom a while ago and she was like, oh, we've just been eating so much bread with dinner. And I'm like, great, like bread's delicious, awesome. Like you put butter on it, what's happening? And she said, well, the other night at dinner, you know, I had three pieces of bread. And I'm like, well, tell me about earlier that day. She said, well, I was so busy running errands and I was so hungry. I stopped and, you know, got this. And then I didn't eat for, you know, six, seven hours. And then we show up to the restaurant. And I said, well, no shit, mom. You're going to eat three <laughs> pieces of bread because you were starving. And carbs are the preferred source of energy for the body. Right. Um, so we're going to go to those, like, quick options when we're deprived. Right. Yeah. Right. I love it. Mm -hmm. Um one of the things I love to eat is bread, mm -hmm. right? And uh, I, oddly, we don't have any in the house anymore. Um, we we had some bread for the hurricane because, you know, you, you have to have bread and uh, milk for every hurricane. So I wouldn't get bread. <laughs> and That's not what that was for. Well, yeah, she tried to kill the dog and let the dog <laughs> eat the, the chicken bones that had been cooked. So Ooh. the bread was for that. But... I only gave him one piece, so the rest oh, was yeah. for me. Okay, great. Okay. What type of bread? Um, I, I I would whole wheat, mm. which I would not have done, right? Except for that judgment, I hear my wife's voice in the background going, "If you're gonna if you're gonna do the carbs, do the whole wheat. It's healthier mm. for you." Well, I would rather have uh, the the white meat, or even better, the um, Hawaiian, I forget what it's oh, called. Oh, so good. I know. It's like I could eat the whole thing all at once. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so it's nice that you talk to your parents, your mom about, you know, mm -hmm. that you're able to do this. And that's part of the intuitiveness about eating is, is kind of going back in the day and saying, oh, well, this kind of makes sense that I'm craving this because of everything that happened. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I remember one time I was at, um, when I was still working in an office, I went to Publix for lunch and I saw that chocolate was on sale and I was like, Ooh, chocolate sounds great. And so when I got to the register, it wasn't ringing up on sale and being the cheap person that I am at times, I was like, okay, well, I'm just not going to get the chocolate then. It's not, you know, three for 10, it's four ninety nine or whatever. Right. And so then I get home and I'm with my, uh, fiance or boyfriend at the time. He's now my husband, but I get home home and late at night after dinner I'm like do we have like Snickers like I'm eating Snickers I'm eating ice cream and I'm like what the hell is going on and I'm like oh my gosh my body was giving me a subtle cue at lunch that I really wanted chocolate and I ignored it you know not because I was thinking chocolate's bad it was right. just because I 
didn't want to spend the four ninety nine. Um, which looking back, I'm just going to spend it in the future. Right. Um, but I'm like, oh my gosh, the queue got louder and louder and louder the more that I ignored it. And mm-hmm. so, like when you say, oh, I could eat the whole thing of Hawaiian rolls. Well, if I deprived myself of Hawaiian rolls and then had access, and I knew this was my one opportunity, yes, I would then be like, oh yeah, I'm like, I'm going for it. Mm. I am going shopping tonight, and I'm not telling my wife. Yes. And I'm just going to show up <laughs> with all of my favorite foods mm-hmm. and suffer the consequences later. Yeah. And I, I hear that. <laughs> Morgan's like, yeah. don't do that. <laughs> no, I think it's great. And if your wife is watching this podcast, you know, no judgment at all, because I think like, you know, in the name of health, like we, you know, you do things research wise. Yeah. yeah. Whole wheat could be, you know, slightly better than like a white sub roll or something. Right. And at the same time, like, let's let you figure that out. So right. one of the things you can do is maybe one day, you know, have a white bread sandwich, one day have a wheat bread sandwich and decide, huh, did I feel any different on either of those days? And that's the part I would have trouble with mm-hmm. because I would I would not do that. Mm-hmm. I would just say, oh, that was much better yesterday because it was the white bread mm-hmm. yeah. with lots of mayonnaise. Mm-hmm. So, But I wonder, so like ice cream cookie dough, you said those are some of your mm. favorite foods. Mm-hmm. If you ate that all day, every day, and your house was made out of like ice cream cones and cookie dough, would you ever get sick of it? Yes, because I'm also lactose intolerant. Okay, yeah. So okay, that's so cool. That's so it's cool. not cool eating the ice cream. <laughs> right. Well, we'll take a lactate. We'll deal with that when we need to. But yeah, um, yeah or finding a dairy free option. But like your body is also giving you a cue of like, right. oh, like we don't feel so good when we eat this. Right. Um, but that doesn't mean that you can't have it or shouldn't have it. It just means like you're you going to suffer be aware. the consequences. Yeah. Right. And, and so. I don't, I, I don't eat as much ice cream now as mm-hmm. I used to because the consequences are significant. But yes. when I do want it, I eat it. So Good. I'm Very intuitive, intuitive of I'm you. intuitively eating ice cream. Um, the desserts I, I would love, but anyway. But, you know, the whole the whole notion of, of uh, our relationship with food, you know, for me also uh, brings back, you know, family of origin issues and, and cultural issues as well. Like... Uh, I grew up with a Greek family, mm-hmm. and the Greek families, like Italian families, are loud. They're boisterous. There's there's tons and tons of food, and mm-hmm. you go home, and you know when you're early in in life, the you know the grandparents and the aunts and uncles will say, "Oh, we need to fatten you up. We need to fatten you up because you're not healthy." Mm-hmm. And then you get my age, and they look at you and go, "You're too fat. What happened to you?" Well, you fed me so much when I was a younger kid, but but there's we learn a lot mm-hmm. about our relationship with food. I think from those early experiences mm-hmm. of growing up with with our families, whatever that family looks like. Mm-hmm. So is is that? But that's just my assumption. Is is that? reality is is does research support that absolutely yeah and you identified the cultural piece as well so i'm italian my husband is greek oh and so we have it on both sides of the family yes um but i totally hear you that you know when i visit my grandparents it's almost and i did have to set a boundary with them at one point because they just like shove food at you and they're like you need this eat this eat this and everyone at the table is like no you have it no you have it like you need to eat it um and i finally said guys like there is nothing stopping us from 
taking the food. Like if we want it, we're going to take it. If right. we don't want it, we're not going to take it. Right. But you don't need to be responsible for my eating. Um, yeah. So I've definitely grown in my confidence with my family and they joke around of like, oh, we can't say anything around you. She's going um, to correct us. She's yep. going to therapize us. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But um, no, family of origin is, is a big source of, you know, mm-hmm. how we learn about our relationship with everything and especially food. And I think part of the saddest thing is, you know, growing up, um, if, if people have had their own challenges, let's sure. say a parent has had their own challenges with it and not necessarily gotten the right type of help that they deserve, they might put that on their kids too. Right. Um, and, and even things like diets or, um, quotes like, okay, yeah, everything's fine, but in moderation, that's harmful in some ways too. Um, and it might se- not seem like it, but our body naturally moderates. Sure. And especially, you know, as we grow up, we learn, you know, what our preferences are. But, you know, kids, like, I think they should be allowed to eat mac and cheese and chicken tenders and ice cream and, oh. you know, throw in a vegetable here and there <laughs> if you want. But, hey, if they hate vegetables, yeah. maybe it's a smoothie, right? Do you know how many parents have come in struggling with how to get their kids to eat. And I tell them that like, it's okay if they mm-hmm. graze, let them graze. Yeah. What's the worst case that's going to, what, what's the worst thing that's going to happen to them? Yeah. So they have food on the table. They'll come and they'll eat when they're ready. Mm-hmm. Why do they have to sit down and eat their entire plate? Make a happy, happy, what is it? Happy plate. Yeah. Happy Clean plate. plate club. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, yes, well I'll make it. But, and our son was that way. He mm-hmm. would, he would, uh, he would, and still is. He'll graze. And so he'll get a little bit here, a little bit there, and and that's just what he does. And he will eat chicken nuggets all day long. And he is like thin as a rail, you know. Uh, he's he's part of he he's gay, and so we'll, I'm going to talk about that aspect yeah. as well and the body image issues within the the gay lesbian population as well because I think it's very prominent there in a different way than, mm-hmm. than maybe heterosexual community. So um, so grazing is fine. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think we're all different types of eaters. Um, We don't have to be hunters and gatherers like we once were, where we were programmed to kind of... We can evolve. Yeah, we can evolve. And everyone has different preferences when it comes to it. I think as responsive as we can be to our body, Mm -hmm. the better. I mean, some people are like that with sleep too. And I don't know a ton of research with sleep, but hey, if you want to take a nap and you're still able to sleep well at night, if you're taking a nap, great. Go for it. Go for it. Yeah. So the, the, the challenge, you know, with our family of origin and, and those experiences is or my experience with, with disordered eating, uh, the limited that it, that it has been, is that there oftentimes is a relationship between the, the amount of control uh, that the parents um, either exert or try to exert or the child perceives that they have. And mm-hmm. so eating can then become one place where they can reject that or they can control the chaos that that is within the family is mm-hmm. that is that accurate is it 100 percent evidence-based oh, yes. accurate you nailed it that more rigidity from parents around eating is correlated with eating disorders right um and the best way that we can have you know kids who are becoming adults uh, have a good relationship with food is that permission like you said just kind of the free eating now there needs to be some you know Boundaries, structure right. around it um but at the same time we're not talking about body size we're not mm-hmm. talking about 
um, exercise as a means to burn off food or other harmful things like that. We're just right. saying, yeah, we, we need energy. Right. Now, we've used the terms disordered eating mm-hmm. and eating disorders. Mm-hmm. Is there a difference? So I think, you know, things that I've read before kind of say that, you know, diet culture, diet language, um, it can often start off like that and then transition into disordered eating. Um, I think that dieting is a form of disordered eating, you know, truly if we are doing it for weight loss purposes only. Mm-hmm. Um or mainly, I think that can be problematic. Now, an eating disorder, again, we talked about that, you know, big book at the beginning with all the diagnoses. Right. Um, and so, you know, in order to kind of meet that, it's, it's just causing impairment in your life. So a preoccupation with food, body that's taking away from, you know, how you're feeling, your health, uh, your, you know, work or academics, your social functioning, things sure. like that. So yeah. um, it can get more extreme. So someone who's just dieting might be experiencing some like internal struggle, mm-hmm. but it might not be impacting too many domains of their life just yet. Right. But like you said, um, or like you know, many of us have talked about like reinforcing and praising that initial dieting or weight loss. So people getting compliments when they start a diet of, oh, you're being so good. Mm-hmm. It's like, ooh, was I bad before? Um, right. Or wow, like you look great. You've lost so much weight. It's like, well, what did you think? Like I looked like before then, and I need right. to maintain this. And that's when it can get really unhealthy. Yeah, yeah. And so is I don't. And I've said this before, I don't work with uh, eating disorders because I find them to be, they're, they're very challenging. Mm-hmm. I mean, it requires an immense amount of work and attention with the whole system, really. Mm-hmm. So intuitive eating is one way. Are there other approaches that, that are helpful for folks who are, are dealing with disordered eating, eating disorders, Mm -hmm. however you want to call it. Absolutely. Yeah. So intuitive eating really is for um, people who are out of place in their recovery where they're able to truly listen to their body and trust that. Whereas with disorders like anorexia, if I told them to eat intuitively, um, that would be problematic because they've probably lost touch with their hunger cues. They've Mm -hmm. been avoiding them for so long that they're not able, they're going to say, okay, well, if I eat intuitively, then I don't really need to eat because I'm never hungry. Um, So there are parts of recovery where you're going to need to push that that limit a little bit. so anorexia is kind of the main exception uh, with, you know, restrictive disorders. There is a period of refeeding that needs to happen, uh-huh. weight restoration until you can start intuitive eating. Um, but it tends to be a pretty good approach with disorders like binge eating. Mm-hmm. Um, you might be able to jump right into some of the principles there. Right. Um, but with, with anorexia and maybe some of the other disorders, uh, there are different types of therapy. So meal support, um, I offer that, you know, 30-minute sessions over Zoom where we can eat together and challenge a feared food. Um, There are residential options if they're needing more support where Mm -hmm. they actually go and stay somewhere. Um, There's a lot of work that needs to be done in terms of how families handle mealtime if it is an adolescent who's struggling or or a kid. Um, And, you know, navigating those family dynamics, as I'm sure you you know a lot about, can be very tricky. Yeah. And and it's not just, and and we've we're highlighting the fact that it's not just about weight loss. It's not just about what you eat, what you don't eat. Mm-hmm. Um, it's tied to your overall emotional, mental, and physical health, mm-hmm. right? Because um, 
when we find ourselves restricting to such an extent that uh, we do lose our cues to eat, mm-hmm. you know, it has a physical impact on us and potentially endangers our life. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think many people really understand how dangerous and how deadly like anorexia can be and bulimia even, mm-hmm. right? And um, because it affects not only your 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 looks but it affects your heart and it affects your heart rate Mm -hmm. it affects your your gut working all that stuff Mm -hmm. so when somebody when a family comes to you and and they're struggling to help their child who is um, exhibiting signs of anorexia uh, what are some things that you would suggest to them like if we have somebody listening in the in the audience today that says i think my child is struggling with this, what would you mm-hmm. suggest to that parent or the parents or guardians? Or yeah, I would say, first of all, great that they're trying to get some help for it. And the first thing that they can do is go to a professional and get in, get evaluated for kind of where their kid is in terms of risk and level of care that's needed. Right. Um, so with eating disorder treatment, there are about four levels of care. There's outpatient, which is the work that I do. And you, you need to be pretty medically stable in order to do that because mm-hmm. I'm not a doctor. I, I don't want to be a doctor. Um, but yeah, I'm here to help kind of with the mind, but only so much we can do for an hour a week. Right. Um, then there's the intensive outpatient, which might consist of group therapy that they'll go to throughout the week and individual therapy a couple times there's a partial hospitalization option and then an inpatient option as well Mm -hmm. and if it's really you know severe and it's causing a lot of impairment in their life then the kid will likely need to go to that more inpatient option do do we have resources Mm -hmm. in the general area Sadly, no. Really? Um, so there are a few outpatient uh, resources in terms mm-hmm. of dietitians, doctors, uh, therapists who do work with eating disorders, although it's not a huge group of people in the Gainesville community. Yeah. Um, but there are plenty of residential or inpatient options within the state of Florida. Um, there, there's one in Miami called Oliver Pyatt. They have an adolescent unit too, which is Clementine. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, we have one in, in Tampa Clearwater area called Fairwinds. There are a couple locations for a place called Center for Discovery. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe I can, you know, shoot you a list too, if, if yeah, people we'll would like to the see website. these. Yeah. yeah. Cause yeah. there are, there are some good options, but you do need to travel and, you know, insurance may or may not cover the cost, yeah. which is another barrier to getting help that they need. Now, do you take insurance? I do not take insurance. However, I can provide something to give to an insurance company um, for possible reimbursement. And I'm usually very willing to work with my clients too, especially if finances are a concern. Yeah. So let's let's hit your, your website and your, your phone number again. So if, if somebody is looking for help, yeah. How do they get you? Yeah. So findyourfreedomtherapy.com is my mm-hmm. website. Um, my number is 352-448-5627. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm open to accepting new clients and having a conversation and also willing, you know, if it doesn't feel like the right fit or if it's not an affordable option or a realistic option um, in terms of scheduling, I'm happy to provide other resources. Sure. Um, there's a great website. Actually, they're based out of Florida, but it's called findedhelp.com, uh-huh. findedhelp.com. And you can actually sort by your insurance and the level of care that you're looking for. Cool. And 
and you can do it by state. Um, yeah. You could say I'm looking for a treatment center or a practitioner. Um, if you want like an all male treatment center, you can search for that. So very specific. That it's, would not be fun. Oh, uh, yeah. No. Yeah. I don't know why. You guys don't have emotions, so. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. yeah they we don't have emotions. Sh- no, and they don't definitely don't have eating disorders ever, no, right? No, no, we don't. Mm-hmm. Well, Just anger. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> All we have is anger. No, we can show sadness. Mm-hmm. We can show tears, mm-hmm. rarely, but mostly anger. So that has been one of the, the oddities for me is not oddities. That's a, that's not the word I wanted, but the, the growing awareness of many in the community that, uh, males have or can have body image issues as well i mean it's historically been a female problem mm-hmm. right but guys have it too i mean how many how many times do we hear uh, middle school and high school kids talk about the buff body mm-hmm. right um and then when you are looking at uh if we go back to uh, particularly the gay and bi male population mm-hmm. There's a huge emphasis on the perfect body. I mean, they have like yes. these 24-pack abs mm-hmm. and and they're pushing the fad diets and they're doing this and you know, they there's this consensus, not consensus, but there is this reality within that population mm-hmm. that 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 holds meaning and holds weight and holds value mm-hmm. as opposed to um, what they call chubby chasers and those sorts of things. Right. Is is that something that you experience as well yes yeah so I've definitely seen that in my practice um, working with clients uh, who are gay or bisexual and you know struggling with meeting that male ideal and wanting to be attractive to to other males mm-hmm. um, but yeah I, I was wondering too because you mentioned like your son and just kind of your own knowledge of this like why do you think that is specific to like part of the gay community you know I need to do a study on that yeah I think if if you know, I don't want to analyze my son, but um, I think for him, he's always been skinny anyway, mm-hmm. um, and and putting on any weight is that's just something I do. Um, but he, in particular, rejects that reality or, or that that part of the culture. Um, I don't know that he outright intentionally rejects it. Um, but he doesn't believe that you have to have the perfect body yeah. uh, in order to do that. And maybe that's because we've, I don't think we've ever really focused on, you got to have a perfect body. Mm-hmm. We have focused uh, more on health and healthy eating and done some of the fads and the restrictors, mm-hmm. um, and medication, uh, management of, of, of weight and that sort of things. But, you know, I think it's when, when you look at, social media and when you look at the media platform and all even within uh movies and and um shows that highlight mm-hmm. you know gay and lesbian or gay and bi males it's that image mm-hmm. right and there's something uh, very sexualizing about that population mm-hmm. that that's what you have um and i don't know exactly um, from what I understand, it's been there for a long time. It's nothing new, mm-hmm. but I suspect it's part of that whole hypersexualization that people perceive mm-hmm. that exists within the 
the gay and bi male population in particular. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree based on what I've heard and in, in the limited knowledge that I have on it. Um, that yeah, there are these different pockets of, you know, cultures or identities where there's this different ideal mm-hmm. that people need to fit. Right. Um and yeah, it's it's unfortunate. Um, you see it a little bit too in like the bodybuilding community and things mm-hmm. like that for both, you know, for, for all genders. Right. Um, right. just the the pressure to meet whatever that ideal is. Yeah, and it's just very uh, it, the amount of the amount of stigma that 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 population in particular faces mm-hmm. for not having the general the ideal of what a body is and mm-hmm. uh, you very it's it's very judgy mm-hmm. uh, if you if you were to sit up and listen at the UC to some of the folks talk about it they're very judgy when it comes to body types yeah and, um, and I think that population would admit that at least the the gay and bi males mm-hmm. that I look at I know and talk to and and the kids that I've adopted. They'll say, "Yeah, we judge." Yeah. And, and but you ask them the same question: Why? You know, where does that come from? Mm-hmm. It it they have a general sense, but it all goes back to an over a hypersexualization of the male body in mm-hmm. particular. So it's very odd. Speaking of sex, yeah. How does how does intuitive eating and how does body image how do how do body image issues and everything relate to one's view of uh, sexuality and Joy of sex. Yeah. Oh, that's such a great question. I know. Uh, you yeah, know why you were I have ready it? for it. <laughs> I was because our official sponsor for this podcast and all podcasts is PleasurePoints.shop, where you can purchase any and all toys to supply your adult needs. www.pleasurepoints.com, where you can pleasure yourself while helping others because the proceeds go to pay for and support counseling and therapy for folks in this community who can't otherwise afford it so go and pleasure yourself and make us happy Mm -hmm. here and give us those donations and there's a lot of things they can buy on there Mm -hmm. so that's why we went to sex yeah yes no well thank you for that um yeah there's so much i could say about this but i think that allowing yourself to experience joy in life freedom like we've talked about pleasure and really be in the moment with an experience if, if we're over controlled with food or sex or sleep or whatever exercise, whatever it is, like it's going to lose a lot of its pleasure and enjoyment. Sure. Um, and so I find that people who are more comfortable in their bodies have, you know, more pleasure, satisfaction um, in their sexual inter- interactions and relationships. Right. Um, They're not judging themselves. No. Not, you know, all that other stuff. Yeah. Like we all do. know what it's like to be in your head during sex and it's like that's the worst feeling in the world um, because you're just not enjoying the moment. So again, with the mindfulness component, it's important to try to, you know, feel good in your body and, um, you know, not hide your body. But again, you can, you can do some work around that um, on a personal level too. So even some of my clients, um, if they're having trouble accepting a part of their body, Mm -hmm. I might encourage them to actually do something kind for that part of their body. So for many women, it's the stomach area. Mm -hmm. And so I might say, okay, can we, you know, put lotion on our stomach? Can we, uh, you know, rather than describing it as, you know, jiggly and gross, can we say, oh, it's like soft and warm and it's a good like, pillow. Yeah, it's a good pillow. And, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's okay to mm. have like fat on your body and, um, whatever your body, wherever your body wants to be. Um, and, and I think that 
there's so much about just acceptance Mm -hmm. um, and also finding a partner who accepts your body um, and and someone who's not going to judge your body in those really vulnerable moments. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's historically, it's been much more of a challenge, um, I think, for women Mm -hmm. whose bodies undergo a significant amount of change Mm -hmm. (laughs) with the thing called birth yep uh and the level of judgment and difficulty in their male partners to accept the changes in those bodies Mm -hmm. astounds me and every time a guy will because when i do couples therapy i will will have Mm -hmm. uh an intake session where i talk with both of them then i'll separate them for a session so Mm -hmm. I can talk to to each of them individually. And I cannot tell you how many times a guy will say, I'm just not attracted to her anymore. And I'll say, well, why is that? And he'll talk about the body and Mm -hmm. she's just let herself go and she's doing this. And, you know, before kids, she was this way. And then I turn the tables on him and I'll say, well, what are you doing to help with all of that? Mm -hmm. And what are you contributing to? And how did your body change during the pregnancy? I mean, what what biologically and chemically, mm-hmm. what changed in your body? And are you the same today? As, right? And where does that image that she needs to have this body come mm-hmm. from? And, totally. Right? And they don't like it when I do that. But I'm like, the other like option it. is to say, <laughs> you're being an asshole. Yeah. Right? And, and I do have a group that that uh, that we are still trying to to get off the ground and running called how not to be an asshole mm-hmm. in your relationship and that's that's so awesome that's one of the ways right and but there is this this image right of uh, in fact there's a was a was it showtime or it was one of the sex uh sexually related um educational shows on one of the channels i don't remember which one it was but there was a um a sex coach a sexuality mm-hmm. coach who was working with um, an older female uh, who had been a track star in her in her younger days and her body had changed so much that she really had difficulty even looking at herself naked now honey I will never do this to any of my with my any of my clients but they got naked in front of the mirror and began talking about and it was storytelling mm-hmm. so what is the story of that stretch mark no, you know yeah where does that what does that tell you mm-hmm. right about where you have been with your body in life and then i forget what the the other person's issue was but that was it they were they were telling their stories mm-hmm. of how your body has changed and where your body how your body has supported you in those changes over life and, and the good the bad the ugly absolutely with the goal being just accept yourself for who you are yeah like in this moment like we don't need to change it we don't need to have an expectation um, wow. Yeah, no, this is bringing up a lot for me. So I, uh, you don't know this. I don't think I'm 30 weeks pregnant. And so, um, yeah, so I am, uh, carrying a baby. I'm wearing kind of loose clothes. I was a little late today. Cause I was like, I'm trying to find pants that fit me. My husband <laughs> came home for lunch. I, I was do like, that every day. I work from home. So I wear pajama bottoms during the day, but I'm like, I'll find something that feels comfortable. But you wear a nice shirt. Yeah, I right? do. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, just like feeling so grateful to have the husband that I 
I do, uh, you know, being really accepting of my body, but then also imagining, um, you know, what it would be like to not have that support because it's so normalized for, you know, especially interacting with women, um, who say, you know, to other women, Oh, you're carrying so well, or, Oh, look at your little bump. And it's just like, Ooh, those comments, they're trying to say something that's a compliment, but like, what if it's like, an adorable large bump like can right. it is it not allowed to be enormous like your body is growing a human right um so you're bringing up a lot just in terms of your own you know view of self during pregnancy mm-hmm. and as the body changes as you grow up um i remember i was at a baby shower about a year ago and thanksgiving was coming up and someone told the person who was having a baby they were like oh you're so lucky because you get to eat whatever you want at thanksgiving this year because you're eating for two right and it's like oh but like if we're not pregnant are we still allowed to eat whatever we want no apparently not yeah apparently not right and so then it went into some you know self-judgment for that person of Mm -hmm. oh i had just given birth in october and you know i was trying to work off the pregnancy weight and things like that and I'm like oh my gosh the fact that so many people are worrying about changing their body after doing this like incredible thing it might not want to go back to where it was like it might not be able to um so the acceptance through that and early on in my pregnancy I think there were some jabs that I was probably making it myself of like oh like I'm just I'm feeling huge or whatever and one time you know kind of disguised in a joke but seeing you know how's my husband going to react to this comment and uh, one day I said you know what I'm not going to make any more negative comments about my body throughout this pregnancy and he said thank you he said, that's wonderful. He said, what you're doing is amazing. And um, yeah, it's it's just important to have support. Absolutely, it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you mentioned Thanksgiving. Holiday mm-hmm. seasons are coming up. Um, I'm assuming that those, uh, the holiday seasons are, uh, can be challenging for folks who have disordered eating thoughts or mm-hmm. uh, are struggling with an actual eating disorder. Yeah. So what would you suggest to them as they start to prepare for, you know, going home, visiting parents, the anxiety related to it? And how do they, how do they get through it? Yeah, it is a very difficult time of year, as you can imagine, for people who are um, struggling with disordered eating or, you know, at a point in their recovery. Um I think, you know, the number one thing is maybe like decide if you even want to go home. Um, So (laughs) you mean they have an option. They have an option. Right. So the main thing that comes up for me when we talk about this is just like boundaries. Mm -hmm. Um, And depending on where your family and your friends are in terms of like their knowledge of what you're experiencing um, and also how open they are to like hearing you that might look a lot different. You know, if, right. if they're not capable of refraining from comments around weight and you know that and you know that it's going to be a vulnerable place for you in your recovery, you don't have to go. Right. Um, easier said than done. Sure. Um, but if you do go and maybe they're not as aware, you know, you can form some physical boundaries by, you know, taking some time alone um, or you can be more assertive if you feel comfortable with your family in order to do that, or even if it feels a little uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can speak up for yourself if a comment is made. Right. Um, so like an example of this, I think a lot of people, even my family, might say something like, oh, like saving up for the big meal tonight. Um, and it's like, well, what are we saving? Like, what are we losing? I'm confused here. And so, for instance, you know, I imagine if I were to go make, you know, waffles on 
Thanksgiving morning and we were eating Thanksgiving lunch, someone might say like, why are you making waffles? Like you might spoil your appetite. And it's like, (laughs) no, but like I'm hungry now and I want waffles and I'm going to do that. And like, even though Thanksgiving is, you know, the one meal a year, it doesn't have to be like, who says we can't make a Thanksgiving dinner when we're, you know, when it's April or when it's June. Exactly. Like, and who says we can only use China for fancy meals? Yes. Use this shit whenever you can. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's it is being able to uh, kind of assert, right? So, and and boundaries in particular for clients uh, feel awkward, mm-hmm. uh, right? Because they feel bad about enforcing them. And so uh, the way I tell them is, look, you're, the boundary isn't about telling people no. The boundary is about teaching them how to access you yep. in ways which are helpful. Mm-hmm. So you're helping them, right? The opposite is you just say no to yourself and say mm-hmm. yes to them, which is going to create you being a client of mine for a lot longer than you need to be. Absolutely. Right? So it's yeah. okay to say no. I love that definition of boundaries of like it's not about pushing you away. It's about, um, you know, how you can be a, a help, helpful and supportive figure yeah. in my life. And, you know, this is how we can grow closer if you respect this boundary. Yeah, that's it. This is this is the map to me. Mm-hmm. This is the map to my heart. This is the map to safety. Mm-hmm. And if you don't like it, piss off. Yeah. Yeah. So, right. And I, I think, you know, just going to going back to honoring your body and listening to your body, it's very normal to experience some disordered or judgy thoughts around food. Even if you don't really have an eating disorder, like there might be some judgment of, mm-hmm. oh, like, you know, I've gained so much weight or, um, you know, kind of justifying the body that you're in or things like that, you know, people commenting on your body or, you know, even the family questions of like, oh, are you dating anyone yet? Like, <laughs> oh, like be patient. You'll find someone. It's yeah. like, well, do I even want to find someone? I don't know. So right. food and all of this kind of goes hand in hand. Um, but yeah, I think just kind of honoring your body, honoring, honoring your own, you know, expectations for self and, you know, yeah. who you are. And I like that idea of, of, of creating a uh, kind of a safe space for yourself, like an escape route. Mm-hmm. So I, I tell couples that as well. Like when you're going to visit the in-laws, sometimes you have to have an escape route. Absolutely. And that's okay. Yes. And you need a code word. Mm-hmm. So you can say this code word and hopefully the other person will go, oh, that's our code word. Mm-hmm. We need to go. And don't ask questions. Just go. Yep. Right. You don't have to explain it. Mm-hmm. It's it's your space. It's your plan. Enact it. Absolutely. Right, and, and that gives you that sense of power and control. Absolutely. Over things. So yeah. Anyway. So it you know we've kind of wandered all over the place with with all of these um, things, and, and I'm sure there's a lot more avenues that we could <laughs> could go down. Um, but overall, you know, it seems to me like one of the major areas that we need to continue to focus on is kind of eliminating the social stigma Mm -hmm. related to you have to have a a certain body style and body type and that effing bmi Mm -hmm. so bad yes i don't like that um and then get into a place where we're using mindfulness intuitive Mm -hmm. eating as a way of, of being aware of what's motivating us right kind of like a 
12-step program, Mm -hmm. right, and being aware of what's going on. Really, yeah. I mean, in those 10 principles of intuitive eating, kind of spot on in terms of going step by step. And it doesn't mean that you can't come back to something, but you do need to do them in order. Um, And there's the intuitive eating workbook is a great resource, the book as well, um, you know, to help people kind of navigate those early stages of of intuitive eating right um, and you can get that on I'm, I'm amazon amazon yeah amazon on kindle, or on the kindle Google. if you want to shop somewhere else you know for whatever reason you will you not can. find it at pleasurepoints.shop <laughs> i'm just telling you unfortunately but maybe maybe we could give them a few copies i don't know we might <laughs> we give you something else <laughs> to, to, to read <laughs> but anyway we um i appreciate you coming and being part of this um and uh, sharing some of your experience with with uh, your journey, mm-hmm. and also uh, offering yourself out as a resource for the local community. And uh, I hope we will be able to come back and and do this again and yeah. uh, expand on our conversation and keep mm-hmm. it in the forefront because I think it's something that's very important uh, to the community at large. Yeah, no pun intended. <laughs> right. And so, thank you for sharing your experience and your time. And uh, once again, folks want to get in touch with you. It is what? Findyourfreedomtherapy.com. I almost forgot the name of my own website, but there it is. And Morgan Ransom, 352-448-5627. Very good. And if she's not available, you can call us here at GainesvilleCounselingCenter.com, 352-448-9120, or find us on the interwebs at www.GainesvilleCounselingCenter.com. And... Go to the YouTube, hit that subscribe button, share it with your friends, your enemies, and everybody else. And, oh, hold on. My director's telling me to do what? Giving Tuesday. Oh, gosh, that's coming up. Do you know what that is? No. Giving Tuesday Mm -mm. is the Tuesday after Thanksgiving, right, the 29th. And it is a... A push to raise funds for uh, for, for nonprofits, really. Uh, and for us, our goal is $5,000. And we're going to be pushing out some social media related to Giving Tuesday um, to raise those funds. And again, every time we raise funds, it goes to provide uh, low-cost and free counseling for people in the local community. So stay in Uh, tuned to our youtube channel and uh you can download this on spotify or wherever you get your podcast again we are the gainesville counseling center and we are out peace